morning to lift up the name of Jesus, to reach people, to heal people. Father, we pray that you would visit all of us in a mighty way, that your spirit would hover over your church, over your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, we're not the only church meeting this morning, right? <laughs> There's lots of them, and we're grateful for that. Um, so we pray that each one will be blessed as us. I want to um, welcome you this morning if you're visiting. We're glad you're here. We have some special visitors this morning. Uh, Karen Lafferty has brought Benny and his wife. I'm sorry I don't remember the name, but they'll be sharing, ministering in a few minutes, so I'm not going to take too much time. We're going to take up our offering in a minute. And prayer request, if you want to put in a written prayer request, there's a tab in your um, uh, bulletin, or you can just write it on a piece of paper. Just make sure we can read it and uh, pray with you and for you. And if you are visiting today, we want to, you know, I think the main thing we want you to take away this morning is that God loves you and has a plan for your life. Don't look on the outside and who you think you are. You might think you're not good enough or smart enough or uh strong enough or whatever but that's you're the best people of all because God is good enough and strong enough to do whatever he wants in each one of our lives amen it's not about us and who we are and how we measure up it's about God and his great sacrifice and sending Jesus sending himself in the form of a man amen I want everybody to know that you know, the love of God and the name of Jesus is so powerful, can change your situations, your life, your heart, gives you peace and joy as we sang about this morning. We all need a Savior. I always like at Christmas that Christmas card that says, you know, if we needed uh, help with our finances, God would have sent an accountant. And if we needed, you know, intervention, he would have sent that. But what we really needed was a Savior. So he sent us a Savior. And all those other things are encompassed in his name and his power. It's the same today as it was 2,000 plus years ago. It doesn't grow old, get weak. It only gets stronger in each one of us as we uh, submit ourselves to him. Amen? I love church. I love Jesus. <laughs> I love God. I love the Lord. I love each one of you. I like coming here. I get charged up. I always say in our Christian life, this is just kind of like going to the gas station going to get filled up with gas, get our windows washed a little, and get check some of our gauges, make sure everything's good, but then we got to drive off. We got to get out of here and get on with the rest of the week. We got to, uh, you know, the things we do, we meet people every day that are looking for some comfort and help, and just a word of encouragement. That's powerful, word of encouragement, amen. So let's have, let's go ahead and take up our offering. I don't think I'm forgetting anything. We'll have some announcements this morning. Just always read your bulletin. We try to uh, keep everything in there that's coming up. Uh, oh, I will say my email's broken for all the ladies. We do have our next women's brunch on the 27th. Going to have a good time. Got some things we're doing and giving away. That's uh, two Saturdays from yesterday. We encourage you to come at 10, bring a friend. That's where we really connect, get to know each other, pray for one another, just talk and share and uh, you know, make new friends. Father, we are grateful for your body, how you've put each one of us together and placed us in the body of Christ. Your word says you give us a home here. And Lord, we know it comes with different challenges, and yet it is your plan, Lord, for us to be together. 
to love one another, to encourage one another, and to even challenge one another in growing in our faith. So grateful, Father, for your love, your provision, all that you give us, Lord, all that you are. And our heart is to give back in any way, in every way you'd call us to. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning and welcome to the Light at Mission Viejo. The following are our announcements. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Esperanza is an emergency shelter for women and children. The women and children in our emergency shelter are always in need of new underwear, new sports bras, new socks for women and children all sizes, new nightgowns for women and PJs for children. They are also in need of toiletries. Please bring donations to the office. Children's Ministries. We are still seeking more volunteers to help out in the children's ministry. We would like those interested to commit to teaching one Sunday per month. If you are interested in this wonderful ministry, please contact Grace Sebesta here at the church or you can email her at gracesebesta at gmail.com. We are looking for a lead barista in the coffee barn. Benefits include free coffee and donuts and an opportunity to bless others. We're asking for a once a month commitment and we will train. The Light will be hosting an exciting fall festival Friday, October the 26th from 5 to 9 p.m. Glorietta Camps will be setting up their bounce houses, rock wall jumpers, and other fun equipment. We will also be having trunk or treating, free games, candy, and face painting. Concession will be available. Children and adults of all ages are welcome. Candy donations and volunteers are needed for this event. We need volunteers to decorate their trunks or one of our trunks and hand out candy. We also need people to serve and run concession stand. Please contact Grace Sebesta here at the church or email her at gracesebesta at gmail.com. Sozo Student Ministries will be hosting a costume dance party immediately after the fall festival on Friday, October 26th from 9 to 10 p.m. This party is for teens only and is open to all students in the community. Women's Brunch will be on Saturday, October the 27th at 10 a.m. This month we will have a free women's panel, singing, focusing, and blanket. Come and join us for amazing food and sistership. Once again, thank you for joining us at The Light at Mission Viejo. We hope you enjoy the service. All right, good morning. We happy? Are we happy campers? All right. So, look, I was, uh, you know, thinking this, uh, this week, you know, just, uh, you know, sometimes when we, we watch football, I was watching the Cowboys last week, and not a lot to cheer about. You know, it was rather depressing. But um, this, this scripture kind of came to my mind. It says, as Jesus continued toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. And he entered a village, and there were ten lepers there. And they stood at a distance crying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And he looked at them, and he said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, 
shouting, praise God. And he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. And it goes on to say that the other nine did not return to give praise. But I like this because it says that he didn't come back just kind of quiet, timid. Oh, Jesus, I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you so good. I thank you. It said he came back shouting, praising God. You know, and, you know, Psalm, Psalm 47, this is our verse right here. It says, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Yeah, I'm telling you, we got a lot to be grateful for. You have got a lot to be grateful for. So do I. I mean, I, I begin to think about, you know, every once in a while, you know, God will show you. You know, I, I don't know if this happens to you, but it certainly happens to me. You know, just when you think things are really good and, and things are well in your life, and then God gives you these little glimpses of your heart, of who you really are. And the Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And sometimes we think we got it all together, and God says, oh, really? Well, how about this area right here? And how about that area right there? And how about this area right here? And then I think about the Scripture that says that God has not treated me as my sins deserve. He is a great and mighty and merciful God. And for that, I can shout and I can praise God. I don't care what's going on in this world. I don't care what's happening in the red party or the blue party or any party at all. I don't care what's going on in politics. You know, I don't care about what's going on in my finances or in my health. God deserves my praise, and he deserves for me to just shout and tell the world that how great a God we serve. Amen? I mean, what a mighty God we serve. All right, so I'm going to ask Karen uh, Lafferty to come up, and uh, let's give Karen a nice warm welcome. Excited to have you guys here this morning, Karen. Thank you. Always good to come back. And I just want to say, Josh, I don't know if you guys are around. That was, I loved that last song you guys did. Oh, yeah, what, new wine. That is so good. Thank you guys for leading us. It's so important to worship the Lord. Uh, it's an important to, you know, do the whole uh, word of God, which is also go out into all of the world and go out into Santa Fe. It's a mission field here. But um, I'm, I'm privileged to be able to work with uh, people all around the world. And, and um, I want to introduce a little bit that I'm going to just do a song that I wrote about India, just being inspired when I was there. But Benny Prasad, some of you might, may remember, he was here about 19 years ago at our very first School of Music and Missions we did in, in Santa Fe. And he was uh, one of our students then. And uh, I, I met him before that in Bangalore in his hometown when he was doing his discipleship training school. And uh, we kind of have funny stories about that. But anyway, I, we connected and he came. And um, it was so wonderful, you know, just to have him there. And then he helped us get our school in India, uh, which we did it there several times. And, um, and there's now I still work in India because we have a network of musicians that we have there. And uh, Benny and his wife, Azan, he wasn't married last time he came, but praise God, God gave him a beautiful wife, and uh, you're good to meet her. <laughs> her. Her name is Zan Benny, and they didn't plan that. You know, God planned that, but anyway. <laughs> but um, so you're going to hear their story, and you're going to hear, I hope that you take away from today just a little bit of putting a little part of India in your heart. You know, if you watch the news, it's so much about 
stuff that's happening. You know, but you don't hear about what's happening in the rest of the world very much. But there's a lot, and God is doing a lot. And praise God that he's doing a lot through uh, through Benny and uh, the ministry there and his wife. And so you're going to hear about that. So, But first, I'm just going to uh, sing a song about India and what God is doing there. It's called There's a New Song in India. getting piped in from India. Go ahead.
Just before they come up, you're going to see a little video about uh, some of the work they're involved with. So want to run that video? wife and myself we sat down and we discussed is how can we equip our staff how can we equip people out there in the society who really have the urge to share the good news but they don't know how and that's when we decided to start the YWAM apologetics discipleship training school where we can help disciple young boys and girls in the character of Christ. When we look at missions today, many times we are only trying to reach out to the people from the economically weaker section. But gospel and salvation is a need for everyone, whether you're rich or poor, educated or uneducated. Here at Apologetics DTS, we try to equip people from the corporate places, from the marketplace, people who have taken five months off from their lucrative jobs and to come and get equipped in apologetics or in biblical worldview or in conversational evangelism and intellectually and rationally sit down and reason things out and defend what they believe. Equipping. Thought-provoking. Rejuvenating. Life-transforming. Healing. Striving excellence. Enriching. Discovering identity. I carried unforgiveness towards my father the past 20 long years that strained our relationship. After coming to ADTS, during the teaching of the Father Heart of God, I was able to write a letter of forgiveness to my father. Being a medical doctor, I read the Bible subjectively without discipline. After coming to ADTS, during the teachings on Bible study methods, I learned about inductive Bible study approach that is to observe, to interpret, and to apply the Bible. I've been a flight attendant for past 10 years, and I never had a disciplined quiet time. And even when I had one, I never took down notes. After joining ADTS, I've learned to have a disciplined and structured quiet time, taking notes as the Lord speaks to me on a daily basis. 
During my 10 years of sailing on the ships, my biggest challenge was to share the gospel to the people from other faith. After coming to ADTS, during the teachings on apologetics, I learned how to explain, reason and communicate with proof the truth of the gospel. I carried a lot of baggage of bitterness and unforgiveness towards my ex-husband, which affected my spiritual walk. After coming to ADTS, during the teachings of Divine Plumbline, I was able to release forgiveness towards him and made a phone call after a gap of four long years. I have completed my Bachelor's of Theology and Master's in Counseling Psychology, but the teachings on Divine Plumbline was brand new for me. Good morning everyone, it's a joy to be here this morning and thank you Karen for uh, bringing us back to this place and uh, thank you pastor and all the elders and the congregation for this time. This is my wife, her name is Zan Benny and my name is Benny and uh, we'll start out by doing a song together. Uh, this song is called I Will Run To You. Volume on the guitar, please.
me mute the guitar please okay i'm going to speak on faith and um, faith is almost becoming non existent in an educated uh, intellectual world and you see many times you hear stories of faith when you go on a mission trip but how come we don't get to experience that same thing when we are back at our own home places you hear so many stories of faith from persecuted countries and from the poorer parts of the world but why not in the educated part of the world as well as why not in the wealthier part of the world uh, and today i'm going to talk on faith and it's one of my favorite subjects and it's something that the world is still trying to understand how i was able to achieve what i've achieved uh, rationally there are times i remember speaking at the topmost uh, university in india called st stephen's college there the cutoff percentage is 98.9 if you get 98.7 you don't qualify to be in that college and in a college like this i was addressing the crowd and then i told them about my story of how at 16 i was suicidal uh, having nothing to live for especially coming from a a family of very highly educated people my father is an aerospace scientist and being the first born in the family i was expected to become like him and there were so many expectations from the society the school that i went to they never had a single failure in the history of the school and i was going to create history by being the first ever failure of the school and so they called my parents and said please take your son off this school uh, because we want to maintain a 100% Uh, results so diplomatically i was kicked out of the school so you see this was my background and from that i i came to this point of achieving success in life and when i finished speaking one of the girls stood up and said sir why are you spoiling your story by bringing jesus into the picture your story is amazing you have worked hard you have a very strong will power please don't spoil your story by bringing jesus into the picture and many times even in our workplaces we want to hide the factor that we are christians we want to hide the factor of what jesus has done sometimes even the prayers that we pray we would try to pray a very generic prayer even god is meaningless the concept god especially for an indian when we have 33 million gods and goddesses which god are you really referring to god bless you which god are you talking about and that god has a name why are we so secretive in the way we stand up as a christian and so this is something that i started to challenge people but for me i will never hide what jesus did to me it is my story so i told this girl that you know this is this is what jesus did at 16 i had nothing medically i had 6 months to live with with all the complications that i went through with uh, wrong medication from the age of 6 uh, from the age of 2 till the age of 16 and 60% of my lungs got damaged my immune system broke down i developed rheumatoid arthritis and i had nothing to live, look for educationally i was written off and i tell the world that i was so useless that even satan did not want me 
I was so bad, I'll tell you. Like I tried to join the gangsters and the gangster said, you guys, you, you are so weak, you can't be part of us. And so I was thrown out of, I was rejected by the gangsters. Then I tried to join the alcoholics, but I could not, uh, I could not stand the smell of alcohol. So they said, you can't be part of us. And then already I had only 40% lungs left. So the smoker said, you know, there's nothing left for you. So everybody rejected me. There was nothing good in me that somebody could say, wow. Even in the church, I would sit at a seat and if there's an empty seat next to me, that will be the last seat that will be occupied. So I was a completely rejected, worthless child. And so I thought the best thing I could do was to kill myself. And during that time is when I had an encounter with Jesus and I heard the voice of Jesus Christ saying, even though you are called useless, I want you, I can transform your life and make you a new person. So when I share this story in a completely non-Christian setup, you know, it's, it's hard for people to digest that. And even more when you're talking to intellectuals and uh, people who are in, in rational thinking. But for me, I tell them that faith is what fueled me to even choosing to live another day when I had lost my entire purpose to live. And today I'm going to talk on faith. Faith in very simple language means believing without seeing. And the rational mind says, seeing is believing. Just the opposite. And it's so hard in this world where everything is based on seeing. My question for you is, when was the last time you experienced faith in your life? Do you have your own story of faith? Many times we are very good in collecting stories of faith, but I believe that everybody has your own story of faith and we need to exercise that. Now, today God gives me the joy of reaching out to the educated people. It is the irony actually because, you know, I was thrown out of my high school. I tell the world today I could not finish my 10th grade is because the Indian educational system was not up to my standard and they threw me out of school. But today the same schools asked me and recently I had to speak for the 12th grade graduation. And I said, how can you even invite me when I've not finished my 10th grade? And then they say, you are a role model, but I was thrown out of the same school. But you see, this happened because of transformation and that transformation is connected to faith. And I don't know where your journey is today. Just coming to church is not enough. I went to church all my life. And I went to church because my father said, if you don't go to church, you'll not get your lunch. Now that was my only incentive of going to church. But it was at 16 when I had a personal encounter with Jesus. When I made this personal choice with deep conviction that Jesus is real and I asked him to come into my life, that is when I started to become a living Christian. And today I'm going to talk about a blind man, a beggar, and we will learn some lesson from a blind beggar. If you have your Bibles, please turn into your Bibles to Mark chapter 10, verse 46 to 52. If you don't have a Bible, sit next to a Christian. I know we live in a digital world, but it's still so nice that uh, we could carry a real Bible. It's not uh, uh, allowed in some of the countries, so I cherish carrying a real Bible, has no battery problems, screen problems, no problems in that. So, okay, Mark chapter 10, verse 46 onwards. I'll read this from the message translation. They spent some time in Jericho. As Jesus was leaving town, 
trailed by his disciples and a parade of people, a blind beggar by the name of Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting alongside the road. When he heard that Jesus the Nazarene was sitting by, uh, passing by, he began to cry out, Son of David, Jesus, mercy, have mercy on me. Many tried to hush him up, but he yelled all the louder, Son of David, mercy, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped in his tracks, call him over. They called him, it's your day, get up. He's calling you to come. Throwing off his coat, he was on his feet at once and came to Jesus. Jesus said, what can I do for you? The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. On your way, said Jesus, your faith has saved and healed you. In that very instant, he recovered his sight and followed Jesus down the road. Now, here is an interesting character, and I don't think that there is anyone more hopeless than this man. Bartimus, Bar means son, and Timius means unclean. So the meaning of this man's name is son of unclean. Can you imagine having a name like this? Good morning, unclean. How are you, unclean? Did you clean yourself, unclean? You look unclean, unclean. You see, just having a wrong name is enough to tarnish your image. And here is a man whose the meaning of his name itself is so negative. Top of that, he's blind, he has a physical challenge. And then he's a beggar, not a glorified occupation. So there is nothing good in this man that we can point out, nothing great. And yet, he calls on the name of Jesus. Now when I look at my life, you know, my name is Benny. And I have a lot of similarities with this man. It's just that the only advantage I had was I had a better name than him. Benny means my son in Hebrew. In French, it means blessed. In Swahili, it means together. So all the nice meanings have come, even though I really did not look, uh, keep up to that uh, meaning when I started off my journey on this earth. And here is a man filled with faith. But what can we learn from his life? You see, the Bible says that he had a cloak and when Jesus calls him, he threw off his cloak, he jumped up and he met Jesus. That's all the action is. There is nothing great that we can learn from the literal point. But if you go back to the culture those days, in order for you to be a beggar, you need to be approved. You just cannot become a beggar like that. So he has to go through a medical scrutiny. And once they check and find out that yes, he is really blind, and once all the checkup is done, then they will give him a special cloak. Now this cloak was exclusively designed for a beggar. And when a beggar wore this cloak, it meant that this man is an officially recognized, authorized beggar of the government of Israel. That's what it meant. So for him, this cloak was very, very important. It was his income, it was his ID, it was his career, it was his future. It was everything. The day he wore his cloak, he will get his income as a beggar, as a genuine beggar. And when Jesus calls him, the first thing he does is he throws off his cloak. He's still not received his eyesight. Today, we would have folded the cloak, put it under our shoulder, gone and met Jesus. Just in case if I don't receive my eyesight, I can always go back to my old profession. That is called plan B and plan C. But in faith, 
plan B and plan C does not exist. Because the Bible says God is not a man that he lies, nor a son of man who changes his mind. When we have a God who does not cheat, who does not lie, who does not change his mind, where is the room for plan B and plan C? And here is a man, he threw off his cloak, he jumped up and he met Jesus. That shows that faith is needed before the miracle, not after the miracle. Because after the miracle, it is a testimony. But faith is needed before the miracle. There are so many people who say, God, if you do this and this and this for me, and I will do this and this and this for you. I will wake up in the morning and I will pray. I will give 20% of my tithe. You see, it's, it's all a business deal. You do this for me and I will do this for you. That is not faith. Faith is believing without seeing. Saying yes to Jesus even when you can't see the result. How many times we get disappointed when the prayers that we want are not answered and then we'll say, see, God is not there. I'll tell you the real test comes is like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. That even if our God does not save us from this fire, we are not going to bow down. That is where your Christianity becomes valid in a world outside there. You see, many times we think that, okay, somebody has a problem, then we bring them to church. Now, we deal with the educated people. That's why we are running the apologetics DTS. Because when we are talking to the intellectuals and the rationals, their problems are very different to the poor and the needy. In fact, they bring counter examples of your faith and journey. You can say the angel appeared. They will talk about stories of how angel appeared. You talk about healing. We remember at the cafe, there was this young boy who had warts. He used to take a blade and he used to cut them off. And his father could not see that misery. And he went and he prayed in a temple and all the warts disappeared. So he says, Benny, I believe in healing. Just like how you believe. Now, how do I share Jesus is a healer? Because he also has a counter answer for that. Where is the exclusivity of Jesus? Why Jesus? If it is all about because Jesus gave me, uh, my dreams came true, because he gave me a nice house, my dream car. You see, all these things even a bank can give. You don't need Jesus for this. Even to the point of healing. If you think from that point, even the doctors have a certain amount of power to help you get well. If you're going to worship Jesus because of healing, imagine you get a cut in your finger and then you put a band-aid and that band-aid helps you for that wound to get healed. Will you start worshiping the band-aid? See, why do you worship Jesus? Where is the exclusivity? Why Jesus? And we need, that's where faith comes into the picture. Faith that he has the power to heal me from my sins. Faith that I know that when I die one day, I will be in heaven because Jesus, he died on the cross, he rose again, he washed my sins away, and he is the one who makes me righteous to go to heaven. Nobody has the power to do that. Every religion talks about how to get to heaven. They talk about the different ways of getting to heaven. Jesus is the only one who became the way to heaven. And that is the beauty of Jesus, that he took my sins. And that's why I worship Jesus. If it is all these goodies, I'll tell you, they can bring counterexamples. The top 10 richest men on this earth 
and women on this earth are not followers of Christ. You talk about material and financial blessings connected to Jesus, then these stories mean nothing. I remember talking to one of the crown prince of a kingdom called the Kingdom of Mewar. It is the longest dynasty in the world. It's in the northern part of India. 1,400 years, they have never been conquered. The only kingdom the British could not conquer. And I'm sitting in front of the crown prince. How do I share the gospel? It is so difficult. This guy does not have physical problems. He does not have financial problems. It almost comes to the point that we feel that unless something is broken in his life, I can't bring him to church. Are we waiting for some disaster to happen? How can we share? It comes to a point that can a person who is wealthy and healthy still come to Christ? It is possible. And here, you know, God touches this man's life. He threw off his cloak even before he found the result. That was faith. And God honored his faith. And he got his eyesight instantly. And wish we all can get those instant miracles. I don't know how it is in the US nowadays, but in India, these instant miracles are a great attraction. That's why you see, you call for a prayer meeting, you hardly get people. But if you have a prophetic meeting or healing meeting, you will find tons and tons of people. Suddenly they have time to come. For prayer meeting, oh, I have work, I'm so tired, I'm just... But prophetic meeting, sadly, has also turned into fortune telling. Pastor, can you please tell me if I'm going to get my visa to America? That is a top prayer request in India. Sometimes they even tell you what to pray. Where is the will of God in these things? But we need to have faith even before we see the result. Now, this man had a great start. He got his eyesight instantly. And all of us wish that our prayers can be answered in 24 hours. There is nowhere in the Bible it says in 24 hours God will answer. Sometimes we even copy. 20, okay, 21 days of fasting. Okay, I will fast and pray for 21 days. And God will answer. Well, if he wants to answer, he will answer on the first day. If he does not, he will not answer you on the 22nd day also. He is God. He can do anything he wants. But one thing is good, and it is true, that he's a good father. And he desires the best for us. And that best might not be what you are thinking of it at the moment. But in the long run, he is only thinking of the best. He has plans for you not to harm you but to give you an amazing future. Here, I remember in 2002, being this YWA missionary, my dream was to go to one country in my lifetime. That was my ultimate dream in life. I said, God, my father has been to two countries, my mother has been to two countries. If I can go to one country before I die, that will be the greatest dream of my life. And God fulfilled that. 15th of August 1998, I took my first flight, went to Sri Lanka. I said, wow, this is amazing. The next thing I said, okay, God, can you take me to one country every year? Again, I'm just talking in the impossible sense for me. And he said, okay, that he did that. 99, I came to the US and England, and then I went to Holland on 2000, 2001, I went to Nepal and Tibet. I said, oh my God, all my impossible dreams are so easy for Jesus. So I said, okay, God, your word says your ways are higher than my ways and your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. So what is your thought for my life? 
What is your plan? What is your will for my life? And that's when he said in 2002, I said, he said, Benny, I want you to travel to every country by 2010. I said, Jesus, do you really know to whom you're talking? Now, sometimes we feel like updating Jesus as though he has forgotten the latest news of our lives, you know. And I said, you have no idea. I only have $25 a month being a YWA missionary. I have an Indian passport which has so many rejected stamps. At that point, I required a visa to almost every country in the world. I said, you know my health issue, God? I was hit by a javelin at the age of 12. So I have a problem with my spine. I can't sit in a position for more than half an hour. I said, how will I travel the world, every country sitting in this aeroplane? And finally, I said, God, show me one example of a musician who's been to every country. So I went and searched. Michael Jackson, Maria Carey, Shakira. None of them have been to every country in the world. I said, God, what makes you think that this ordinary guy could do that? Simple words, Jesus said, what is impossible for man is possible for me. You see, all these scriptures are nice designers. But the challenging part is, can this happen in my life? Many times we believe in prayers over others. But can we believe that God can do that for me? Can these scriptures be relevant and valid for me? And here I said, God, if this is what you want me to do, I will put my entire faith in you. And I had four financial principles that I have followed for the last 20 years till today. I will never ask for money, will never borrow money, will never take a loan from the bank or trust the credit card. So these were my four financial principles. Now this is mine. Please don't ape me. You go back and ask God what he wants you to do. Because many times people come back and say, brother, I want to follow you. No, it might be a disaster if you follow me. Follow what God is telling you to do. So I did this. And I started off my journey. And let me show you how my passport looks today. So this is my one passport. And it's a combination of 15 books inside because in India, we don't get additional pages, but we get additional booklets. And each booklet contains about 60 pages. And uh, at the peak of my travels, I used to use one passport every year. And these 15 books um, showcases the testimony. This is not faith, this is the result of faith. And my favorite part of carrying this passport is at the immigration desk. You know, you must see the facial expression of the officer. Generally, they're very stern, they don't smile much. And then when you put a passport like this, they're even more confused. And some of the smart ones would say, sir, don't come as a family, come one person at a time. And when I tell them that I am this one person, they are completely shocked. First question, they say, where do you get the money to travel? But you see, this is a result of faith. But the challenge for me was when I turned, to my first passport. 19th of February 2002, I took my first flight as a concert artist and I went from Delhi to Moscow in Russia. When I landed in Moscow, they asked me for a bribe of $50. But I'm a Christian and I'm an Indian, I don't give bribe. It is against my ethical and moral and spiritual value system. And so I refused to pay that $50. And they detained me in the airport for 30 hours. My first concert I'm going to do outside. And here I'm detained for 30 hours. For 30 hours they treated me like a criminal. I was humiliated. 
I struggled. I'm here to fulfill the plan of God. My dream was one country and now God says every country. My first